Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second hour of the live with me, Rank Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to be part of the show, I invite you all to be, even those who disagree with me. Interesting, in the past, people who disagree with me would call and tell my call screeners that uh, he won't put me on. I disagree with him. I want to hear from you guys. As long as you're coming from facts and then you're forming your own opinion, that's okay. It's people who don't come from facts that, you know, we'll get into a discussion about it. It's all about your opinion. So many people sit there and believe that if my opinion is different than yours, specifically, let's talk about me, that I'm going to be somehow uh, defensive or or uh, what have you. I'm I'm not. not I don't want to be. I don't know if I'll come off that way. I think many times when I start questioning someone to make sure it's fact-based, the same facts that we're drawing from the same facts, people may think that's defensive. But I, I do want to hear from those of you who think differently than I. It's okay. As long as it's fact-based, if that's what an opinion for whatever that reason is on. In the first hour, I talked about a couple things. A piece I published called... Now I just, I have it in a, let me see here. Do I have it here? No, no. I I should have been, I got too many things to do at break. <laughs> uh, what did I put up? I named it Michigan Attorney General Nessel believes what is good for me is not for thee. And it's an, it's, it is not one of those mask wearing issues. This is very important. You guys should check it out. It basically has to do with a candidate who's running the Republican primary to be the next Attorney General Matt DiPerno, saying that, hey, listen, if I get elected, if I win the primary in the Republican primary for AG, and then I win the general election, I'm going to investigate Dana Nessel for these illegal activities that we believe she's been involved in. And if we find evidence, we'll bring it to court and prosecute her. She got concerned about that as she wrote, quote, this office comes with awesome criminal investigative and prosecutorial authority. Those who seek to abuse that authority by pledging to imprison their political adversaries have no place in our government, end quote. Hilarious, first, that it's coming from a Democrat who is using the awesome and criminal investigative and prosecutorial authority of anybody they can to keep people who've been in, uh, who trespass on the White House or excuse me, in the uh, Capitol, in jail for over a year. These people are the biggest abusers of it. But her in particular went after, if you remember, Marlena, the restaurant owner in Holland, Michigan. Exactly for what she did. And I give you the emails of her saying, we've got to lock her up before she goes on Fox News and explains what's going on. I'm paraphrasing it. It's all there. Check it out at WBCKFM.com or WKMI. I then asked the question, where, when are we going to, those of you who want to ban guns, because guns kill people, not people who use guns kill people. When are you going to start asking for the banning of cars? Yesterday or over the weekend, in Detroit, a woman used her 2020 Nissan Murano to run over someone, drive through a crowd apparently, during a neighborhood brawl, quote-unquote, and killed a person. The person, they say, 
who just pushed a child out of harm's way. So obviously it wasn't the woman who was using the car as an instrument. It was the car itself. Now I know I'm being, to all of you who have a brain and think logically and intelligently, you know I'm being facetious here. Facetious. But I'm trying to prove a point. That's how ridiculous the whole point about, you can be against guns. You can be for banning guns. But to blame the gun for the shooting is just as ridiculous as blaming a car, in this case, a beautiful Nissan Murano that I really like, for running over and killing that person. It's the same thing. That doesn't mean you're not, you have to be against banning guns, but, or for banning guns, you could still be for it. Just don't sound uh, ridiculous. And then I told you about kind of an update that happened yesterday after my show concerning the part of all the welfare that was handed out during pandemic, uh, during the pandemic. Pandemic's over. It's been over for a long time, but they still are handing out the $95 extra a month in food stamps and they're going to continue. Apparently that was going to shut down soon, but they're going to continue to do so according to uh, Governor Whitmer yesterday. She made a statement, a statement in which it was complete and utter lies other than she's going to be keeping hand, uh, handing that out. She says, we'll be co- continue collaborating with our federal partners to get things done by lowering out-of-pocket food costs. How is she going to lower out-of-pocket food costs? Number one. Number two, it's because of the policies of her and her party that we are in the situation we're in today. The extreme increase in inflation and food costs. She said, we're going to put money in people's pockets. She just vetoed a tax decrease. And again, as I said last hour, I'm not calling it a tax decrease. She just vetoed a promise. She made good or actually the Republicans finally made good on a promise that Granholm and the Republicans and Democrats in the House and the Senate back in 2007 promised us. Just please, 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 we have nowhere to cut. Our cupboard is bare. Please don't make us cut something that we really need. Please, please. So we want to increase your state income tax from 3.9 to 4.35. But we promise you, starting in 2011, in fact, we promise you so much, we're writing it in the bill. Let us write it in the bill. We're going to be part of the law. We're going to reduce it by a tenth of a point every year on October 1st, 2011. And by 2015, we promise you. Here, look, it's in the law. We promise you. It'll be lowered and it'll go back to the normal. Knowing every one of them who said we promised you had lied to you straight out. Every one of them knew that it didn't matter that they wrote it in the law. Because you can't, a current legislature can't bind a future legislature. They all knew it was a lie. Now, some of them may have uh, truly wanted to and believed they could lower it, would lower it, but... None of them could sit there and say it's in the law. It's in the legislation. It'll be law. So anyway, she reduced, uh, she vetoed that. So she took money out of all of our pockets. And what she wants to do is increase welfare, the earned income tax credit, 
and she's going to lower gas by trying to stop Line 5 from uh, flowing through Michigan. Go figure. 269-441-9595. You listen to me, Rank, on the Live with the Rank Show. Let's go to a first-time caller. Appreciate him calling in and holding on. Steve, welcome to the show. You're welcome, Rank. Um, good morning. Good morning. Hey, just, about, just about the the welfare uh, food stamp handouts, just an observation a person should make is that you got to remember, if we make $100, we get taxed one-third in income tax. So if you're giving out money, you that's an actual extra third added to all the benefits that are handed out because normal people would be paying taxes on their income. So you're saying the you don't pay taxes on the welfare? Well, that's correct because it's a government handout, which means that that $95 is actually worth 125 Or, you know, if you've ever done your taxes and then, like, I I use a tax software and it'll say at the end your effective tax rate was 12%. You know, I'm trying to figure that one out. Uh, yeah. But, but, but anyway, yes, I see what you're saying. It is more than the 95. So it would take, let's say someone $110 earning 110 or $15 is what you're saying, Steve. Exactly. To, to be able to spend $95 on, well, actually it would be more if you look at the, the, uh, state and the federal, yeah, you, you could be paying upwards of 20 bucks on a hundred. So 115, yeah. you got to make $115. Those of us who aren't on food stamps, to purchase ninety five dollars. Exactly. Well, that's a good point, Steve. Didn't think of that. And, and then one other point on the four hundred dollar uh, refunds that we're getting. Yes, that's okay. I've got one thing to say about that. That's money I've already paid them, so I don't look at it as a refund. I look at it as a minor stipend since I've been paying auto insurance for roughly forty years. And did you notice they didn't give you any interest back? Ah. <sighs> So they took your money. Really? Yeah, and there's no interest that came back. Isn't that interesting? Uh, anyway, yes. I, well, a refund, I guess it, I see where you're coming from, though. Yes. All right, Steve. Uh, uh, that's that's a slap in the face for all the years that it was paid. Right. Well, Rick, have yourself a great day. Um, enjoy listening to your show and uh, have been for about three years and first time caller. So. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm curious if I may, Steve, and thank you very much for that. How did you find me? Three years uh, ago. A lot, of, a lot of traveling in Southwest Michigan, going through radio stations. And you just happened to come along the, uh, the show yeah. on uh, one of my stations. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. It's always interesting to me. Appreciate you calling in very, very much. It's like, you know what's interesting to me? Honest to God, I love to find out how married couples or couples who go together found each other. I always find that an interesting story. You know, maybe one day I should do an entire show if you guys were to call in or email me on uh, how you found your spouse. That always interests me. Just as I'm interested in people, how did they find me? Some through the articles, some, as Steve just said, by uh, going through radio stations as they're traveling. I know I have a lot of truckers that listen to me that way, and I I really appreciate because truckers, they go all over long-haul truckers in the United States, and if they're willing to listen to me, after all that they've consumed through the country, uh, I, uh, I take that as a badge of honor. You're listening to the Live with Rank Show. If you would like to call in and be part of the show, as Steve just was for his first time, here's the number, 
888-900-9595. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Live with Rank. And for that, I thank you very, very much. All right, let's move on to something else. As I stated the other, or before the end of the hour last hour, yesterday, an, an informant that's involved in the alleged plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer said he acknowledged suggesting that a gunshot be fired into her northern Michigan home. This was the informant. Now, he said he asked them to do that because he thought it was better than killing the governors as he said they wanted. Well, if you were to fire a gunshot into her home, how do you know you're not going to kill someone? What do you got, x-ray eyes? The informant's name is Dan Chapel, And yesterday, he was facing questions from the attorneys that represent the defendants in this and claim that they, uh, the government and paid informants, so the FBI agents and paid informants, are the ones who are actually pushing for this to occur. They entrapped them. The same informant acknowledged that he drove others to the area near the governor's home in Elk Rapids in the fall of 2020. This same informant said he paid for gas, bought them lunch and drinks before they did a reconnaissance mission. This same informant said he sent a text suggesting to another participant that a bridge near the governor's home could be blown up to slow police response. He told others that they would put, quote, eyes on, end quote, the Elk Rapids house is part of the plotting. Now, this guy is a contract truck driver for the United States Postal Service. Said he became an informant after a militia he joined, Wolverine Watchmen, talked about killing police officers. Now, I have not heard of any reporting on this group that is talking about killing police officers. Now, here's the problem. There are serious allegations and to some extent proof. In fact, one of the witnesses, they're not going to let testify because they do believe he was entrapping them or getting involved too heavy into it. They pulled, the FBI pulled that guy off. I don't know if he can be called to the stand. But there's some legitimate proof out there. By the sheer number, as I've been telling you, of FBI agents and informants, there were as, as many or more, it's being reported, FBI agents and informants, than there were people who were actually going to, they say, allegedly, conduct this kidnapping. So when you have a guy who is a paid informant, I assume, I'm just assuming that he was paid, who's talking about shooting a gun into the governor's home, who's taking them, buying gas, lunch, and drinks for a reconnaissance mission, who's sending a text message to another participant that a bridge near the governor's home can be blown up to slow the police response. 
how much do you believe is him not trying to entrap them and him trying to be part of the plot to get more information? You're always going to have that question. As a juror, that's what I would be looking at. How much does it take this person, this informant doing before it trips or it's the last straw that broke the camel's back when looking at he or she went over the line and actually is trying to entrap them? Now, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about this stuff. I know there's police officers or retired police officers who listen to my show. If you are listening now and you can call, maybe you can help us. 269-441-9595. As a juror, that's what I would be thinking. At what point did that person go overboard? So how do we truly know what their intentions are? He is a government employee. And we know what this government did in 2020. 269-441-9595. More information that just happened yesterday about James Craig, who's been running for governor in the Republican primary, been on the show several times. Very nice guy. Those of you who hear him on air, he's the same off air. There are, and I've told you this before, that's kind of how I judge some people, or I should say some, all of them. When I'm speaking to them on air, you're always going to get their best, generally, their nicest, best, um, discussion or the way they treat you or talk to you off air. Sometimes it's different. And I've told you in the past, Ted Nugent, same uh, nice guy on air, nice guy off air. He's not at that 150% level that he's on air when he's off air, but nice guy. Judge Janine, same on air, off air. Gary Wolfham, same on air, off air. There are some that are not the same on air, off air, and uh, we'll save that for maybe a, a different time. I'll tell you what that new news, it's, um, I think, difficult news for him to take coming up right after this. You're listening to The Live with Rank Show. You're listening to The Live with the Rank Show. Now, he is not leaving the race. I was listening to that awesome song, enjoying it, thinking, oh, I wonder if people are thinking he's saying goodbye. No. But his campaign manager for the second time is. Now he's viewed as the front runner in the primary race here, in the Republican race here in the state of Michigan. As I said to you, he's the same man on air as he is off air, which I think is a great sign. That is a one way I judge people. There is a national figure out there that if I told you who he was, you would know who is not. (laughs) Who is completely 
different off air. Let's just put it that way than on air. Now, maybe he was having a bad day. I don't know. We all have them. Adam Wright, who has been the campaign manager for James Craig, just submitted his resignation and said he wouldn't comment anymore on it. He took over the job from Craig's former cane manager, which was Anthony Saros, who departed in December. His resignation comes about a month before April 19th. What's April 19th? That's the filing deadline for these candidates to get their signatures in. 15,000 of them. In a statement yesterday, Chief Craig confirmed his resignation Wished him, quote, nothing but the best. I will continue to campaign across Michigan, including in my hometown of Detroit and other urban areas of our state. Frankly, we were not in agreement on the strategy, so we mutually agreed on going in a different direction, end quote. Now, I think, I think that was his second, maybe third. John Yob. For those of you who don't know that name, is someone who is uh, big in the Republican political game here in the state of Michigan. He was the guy who basically got Schneider elected, or at least came up with the nerd, I'm being told, the nerd word, uh, campaign. And John left him sometime last year. And now he's with Perry Johnson, the new quality guru guy that you've been seeing probably a lot of commercials about. And as I told you, politics is probably the roughest, nastiest game I've, I've ever seen. I played football and loved football, and I played in some... Uh, with a team that had an arch rival. It would be like Michigan, Michigan State. And we didn't hate each other as much, or we didn't act this way uh, off the field when it was over. So when John Yab, who first was the first person to get James to run and, and work with him, he was a guy who was in, instrumental, I'm told, to get Schneider elected. When he heard of this campaign manager leaving, this is a Republican who's now working with Perry Johnson. He tweeted, quote, the nice thing about appointing co-managers is that, well, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you this. So what happened is they appointed two co-managers, two people who are there. One's their communications person that I deal with and the other person, I don't know what they were doing, but they, they made those two people co-managers. So what does John Yab tweet out? The nice thing about appointing co-managers is that when the third one quits, there might still be a fourth one, end quote. That's, that's how uh, rough politics is. And those of you who get upset when I push and push and push against politicians, and you feel that I'm not treating them with respect, they don't treat many people with respect, at least in the race. There are 11, no, 12. No, 11. 11 Republicans, people running for governor 
in the Republican primary. That's a lot, which then waters down the vote. So someone could slip in with less than the majority. So that's the news on the governor's campaign. 269-441-9595. Former Democratic State Rep Adam Zemke. Last month, wrote an opt-ed in the Detroit Free Press in which he said a teacher shortage had become an, quote, immediate statewide emergency, end quote. He claimed, and I use the word, quote, unquote, claimed, schools have been forced to close due to lack of staff and pitched his solution. Now, I'm going to give you three chances at guessing what his solution is, and the first two don't count. So I'm going to give you a few seconds to wonder what this former Democratic state rep Adam Zemke or Zemke wrote in an op-ed in the Detroit Free Post last month, first claiming that there's an immediate statewide emergency because of a teacher shortage. And he knows how to fix it. Three, two, one. Now sit down. If you're holding, if you're driving, uh, keep your hands on the wheel. If you're holding something hot and you're drinking, please put it down. Because this is going to blow your mind. Former Democratic State Rep Adam Zinke says to fix this problem in the schools, we need to spend more money. Ah, I know. I know that came out of left field, completely out of left field. I didn't see that come at all, did you? There is more money being spent on schools. In fact, they can't spend it enough. There's so much money at schools. I wrote a piece about this. It's out there. If you don't believe me, go check it out at WBCKFM.com or one of the affiliates you're listening to me on, their website. It's there. Where the Grand Rapids, I think it was, superintendent said, there's so much money to spend we don't know how to spend it. In fact, they're worried because there's a time frame involved. And the Grand Rapids superintendent of schools said she's heard from many around the state and the country, if I remember correctly, all saying the same thing. Now, the problem that Adam has is he's using common core math. And when you use Common Core math, you don't necessarily get it right. In fact, many times you get it wrong. But you still get credit as long as you tried. There are 115,800 teachers in the current school year. Adam should have known this number. 115,800 teachers. How many were there last year? 110,788. Now, when you use real math and you subtract 110,000 from seven, uh, 788 from 115,800, you get 5,000. An increase of 5,000. That figure comes from the state reports. 
Now, the state reports, because I'm going to be in, in, honest with you. Here's another example I can give you how the left wouldn't tell you. The left on radio or on cable news or ABC, NBC, they would just leave it at that. But I'm not going to be, because you may not like my opinion, but at least respect my honesty. I'm going to tell you that according to the state reports, they also use a definition of teacher applies to positions like counselors, nurses, social workers, and therapists. But you see, Adam in his op-ed didn't break that down. Adam didn't sit there, because I would have. When I write these pieces that I publish out there, I try to close all doors, and I've been saying that for years. I try to close all the doors. What I mean by that is I wonder what you, as someone reading my piece... What are the questions that you're going to have as you're reading it? Oh, Rank's not answering this or Rank's not answering that. Because I would say 99% of the time I read, quote unquote, professional journalists and reporters pieces. I constantly have questions, big, huge, open barn doors that they don't address. And even you can address it and as I would is I don't know. So Adam chose not to. So in reality, I could go down the path of just telling you Adam's not very bright if he can't see that the number, according to the state of school teachers this year, is 115,800. The number last year, to make it easy, was 110,800. That's 5,000 even. Pretty even. Pretty easy to do. But I told you that these other positions include counselors, nurses, social workers, and therapists. My point being is, if Adam didn't want me to report it the way I am reporting it, or others to infer it, because this is the Mackinac Center that's pointing it out, and they're dead on in all their data. If he didn't want people to infer things from it, he should have addressed that. He should have addressed in his op-ed that, hey, there's 115,800 people, according to the state, who are teachers or classified as teachers. Here's 110,800 from last year. I see there's a 5,000 raise. This is the difference. This is why I'm claiming what I'm claiming. But he didn't. In fact, many school districts are reporting classroom teachers uh, this year. Uh, they actually have more classroom teachers. This is right from the Mackinac Center piece. Quote, many school districts report having more classroom teachers this school year. For example, the Detroit Public Schools Community District had 3,193 teachers in fall of 2021, an increase of 114 from the previous year. My point being, they will say anything, anything to get more money and more power. When something can easily be disproven, it doesn't matter to them. According to the state data, the total number of people working in K through 12 public schools on our payroll, 349,000 people. That's an increase of 3% over last year. Again, Adam, 
where is this immediate statewide emergency? Now, I've told you before, the game they play is they'll look at some specialty. There are there may be some like speech therapist or, you know, not what you and I would consider, quote unquote, teacher or I shouldn't say consider what we think of when we think of teacher. When you say the word teacher, you think of the person in the classroom giving instruction in front of students, although that doesn't happen much anymore or didn't. So there may be a, st- a, a need for someone in those specialty positions. But if the Detroit School District says we have a 114 additional teachers this year, what does that tell you? If there's an additional 5,000 statewide coded or classified as teachers, and they're not explaining the difference, what does that tell you? If there was an increase of 3% of people on our payroll, from 338,000 to 349,000 people. Grasp that number. 349,000 people work in our corporate public school industry. And then this, according to the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. The increased staff headcounts have occurred even as student enrollment has been stagnant. Public schools enrolled 5,844 more students this year than in 2021, which statistically equates to a 0% increase. There were 1.44 million students in all grades in public schools from 2021 to 2022. So what do we get from that? There are more teachers or people classified as teachers, an increase of 5,000 from last year to this year. There is an increase of people working at schools of 3% from 338,000 to 349,000. Yet statistically, we had no increase in students, number one. Number two, there's 1.44 million students in all grades in public schools here in the state of Michigan from 2021 to 22. And we have 349,000 people working in the school system. Might there be a bit of bloat there? Somewhere? What do you think? 269-441-9595. You listen live with Rank. We'll be right back after this. 95.3 WBCK. As a- Listen to WBCK on your mobile device anytime, anywhere. It's free. Brought to you by Airway Auto Parts and Recycling. Don't scrap your car. Get instant cash from Airway. Doctor, my eyes have seen the. Listening to the Live with Rank Show, and it appears what we do truly have a shortage in is primary care physicians here in the state of Michigan. Free Press is reporting, if you want to believe them, Michigan is experiencing the decline in the numbers of primary care physicians with more shortages expected by 2030. Now, they say that the shortages could be, quote, curbed, end quote, 
by beefing up state funding for existing programs to recruit, train, and retain physicians in that field. <laughs> Why is it always taxpayer money that has to come in and pay for these private businesses? And I'm a huge supporter of private businesses. Now, if it's money that needs to be used because it's in, you know, the UP where maybe people don't want to go and live because it's too cold and too much snow or wherever, I understand there needs to be programs in which the federal government and state, it should be both, could be involved with helping to pay part of someone's salary or to pay part of their cost of their uh, office to keep someone there. I get that. But they're not really talking about that here. It says Michigan has 269 health professional shortage areas. And they determine that as where either the proportion of family physicians and primary care physicians is too low or there are no primary care physicians whatsoever. That's according to the Kaiser Family Foundation data. Well, that's, that's hilarious. You had to tell us that, that a, uh, the proportion of family physicians and primary care physicians is too low or there's no one there. I, I figured that would just be thrown in there. That's a problem. A family physician with the Midland Family Physician, I guess, office. She and others spoke during a roundtable with the Michigan Academy of Family Physicians, which represents about 4,200 family physicians, family medicines, and residents. It said by 2030, the state will have a shortage of 860 primary care physicians. So that would go from 269 to 860. Now, what I would have liked to know is why. What is driving this shortage? Do people not want to live here because of the weather? Do people not want to come here and practice medicine because of the pay? Do people not want to come here and practice whether uh, practice their their craft medicine? because of the policies that are here? Any of you who are doctors who are listening or former doctors, what would prevent future doctors or doctors to come here? Why are we having this decline? Or is it due simply because there's not enough out there being produced? Coming up, I promised you after this Top of the hour break, we'll be speaking to, oh, where did I put her information? Well, a lawyer who wants to talk to you about the uh, Supreme Court nominee today. We'll be right back.